Welcome to the Purple Political Breakdown. People should understand and people should not forget that you have to be willing to engage in these things. Perfect example. We brought it up on the podcast before. Nick Fuentes. Nick Fuentes, not a great guy. And I'm not even saying he's going to grow enough influence to make any damage, but he did have a lot of notoriety when he was with Kanye West after Kanye West's little crazy stint. So he definitely has influence. I'm not saying it will grow too much, but you can't deny his existence and ignore it to the point where you think, oh, all the people Nick Fuentes has and all the people that listen to him, oh, they're just a small population. It'll be fine. I don't really care. They can all burn. That is not going to push anything forward. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is episode number 51 of the Purple Political Breakdown. I'm your host, Riddell Lewis, here with my co-host, Jonathan. He is back at action. Um, I did say how you're doing before, but I'm going to say how you're doing again. How are you doing? Busy. Busy and sore today. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um. Yeah, I could I could say that um, I don't have the same soreness to deal with as, as you, but I've been busy as well. Of course, we're doing a lot of content here. I almost was like very pissed off this week because I got a mm-hmm. copyright strike on my YouTube channel because I was. Did? Yeah, but I appealed it and they took it off. So now I'm good because if I did get a strike, I was like, bro, I might not do any content all week because I was kind of annoyed, Uh, but they took mm-hmm. it off. So I'm like, OK. And for what? So I was reacting to a uh, Jubilee stream, which is crazy. I post mm. Jubilee videos on my channel, no problem. But they, yeah. they, I was reacting to a Jubilee stream, and the first time they did this, I was like, okay. I was like, all right, I got a warning. I don't really understand what happened. Then I d- mm-hmm. reacted it again. I was like, oh, you got a strike, and I repealed, and they said, oh, yeah, we take it back. Be, uh, apparently, you have some false spam stuff. I'm like. What is, I don't, it's stupid. It doesn't make any sense, um, but I don't have a strike, so I, I could post normally, but it's, uh, that's good. It's ridiculous, bro. I just won't react to Jubilee streams. Maybe I'll just record a video because it's just not worth it to deal with. Yeah. Are you enjoying today's podcast episode? I really hope you do. And I really hope you enjoy the fact that I have an amazing guest talking with me and having this great discussion. If you, as an individual, personally have your own podcast and maybe you want to have great guests on your podcast as well, well, I got a deal for you. In my description, there is a link to something called Podmatch. Make sure to join that link through my affiliate link so you can sign up to get matched up with other podcast hosts and podcast guests so you make sure you are never missing an episode without a productive guest to have an amazing conversation with. Podmatch is similar to any other kind of matching site for the most part, and it's super easy You Just $6 a month, and you can have a guest for each and every podcast episode that is tailored to your specific topic. So again, join the link in my description and join Podmatch now. Uh, But yeah, if you want to watch that video, that will be coming on the channel. It was uh, Muslims versus former Muslims, middle ground. Oh, very interesting conversation. I'm not going to lie. One thing that I came out um, seeing in that, because I'm not obviously I'm not Muslim, um, 
Muslim, nor do I study Islam. But one of the former Muslims was asking very specific questions, and the current Muslims mm -hmm. could not answer the questions. And the greatest moment for me, because they're talking about is Islam sexist, and two yeah. of two of the Muslims said no, and then the the former Muslim okay said. Okay, if it's not sexist, why in the Quran does it say you can have sex with female slaves? And they didn't answer the question. And then the mm. other girl who was Muslim was like, that's a good question. I don't know the answer either. I know they're not answering. They're like escaping from the question. I'm so glad she said that because she recognized they weren't. They were avoiding the question. So, yeah, yeah, it's a interesting moment. No shade, but Gad Sad has a lot of interesting things to say about Islam. A lot of Who? people don't like him. Gad Sad. Um, G-A-D-S-A-A-D. He's a psychologist. Okay. Uh, he's got a beautiful, amazing book called The Parasitic Mind. Um, and it's all about uh, ideology, essentially, and like the psychology behind ideology and different ideas and how parasitic ideas get stuck in your head. And in that book, he talks a lot about that very same phenomenon that you're talking about, the kind of ideological um, encapsulation of some Islamic traditions um, and how people don't like, because that, that kind of phenomenon also exists in the Christian church, um, especially among particular sects of Christianity where they don't really know why they believe what they believe. They just kind of believe it. And mm -hmm. it's dangerous for the Christians that, such as myself, that know why I believe what I believe. Um, but people oftentimes, most people who encounter Christians encounter those kind of Christians that don't really know why they believe what they believe. Um, and that's a bad look for all Christians. When it comes to um, Islam, I don't know how many of them are like that. It seems as if a lot of modern iterations of different religions are kind of falling into that issue uh, that they, nobody really knows where they believe what they believe anymore. But in Gad Sad's book, he talks about um, other aspects of Islam that are kind of don't really make any kind of sense and how usually the political left kind of shills for Islam, even though they don't really know much about it, such as those things like the sexism, homophobia, all of those different things. This is a very interesting book. It's not all just about that, but that's a big topic he cuts out. I can guess like the overarching topic because it does even expand beyond religion, to be honest. Mm -hmm. The 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 willingness to kind of believe in something that you don't even know why you believe in something. That's the exact way people get manipulated as they do and how wide scale manipulation can cause people to act very radically, i.e. stuff like January 6th, for example. So it's definitely uh, extremely dangerous. I will say in terms of religion, I feel like the the religions that make religion part of the culture, I like uh, Islam and Judaism and Catholicism, probably have that more... Uh, it's more of a problem probably for them because, like I said, it's, it's a way of life from head to toe. Whereas uh, I would say Christianity doesn't have... As much of a problem because it's part of your belief system, but it's not necessarily yeah. part of your culture. I, and and actually, I'll say that's one of the issues with um, 
evangelical Christianity uh, is that it's not a culture. I think that's I think that's actually one of the downsides. Um, I did a, a, one of my favorite podcasts I ever did for my show uh, was with Kyle Ritchie, uh, ecumenically disheveled is the name of his podcast, um, and it was all about that. It was about kind of what evangelical Christians can learn from those more traditional orthodox religions specifically catholicism and orthodoxy and one of the things that i kind of realized is 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 because it it is less holistic and less religious um a lot of people in the christian sphere of things they they don't take it as seriously because it's it's less holistic uh because it's more personal like that's a kind of advantage of Christianity is that it's a it's a personal, but we kind of forsake the corporate for the personal, and so it's all about a personal relationship with Jesus, which I believe. But we can't also forget the coming together of the body of Christ in church, um, and in the communal aspects of it. And because of that, I think it, it's a little it can be a little bit more shallow at times. It's definitely an interesting conversation. I'm sure we're going to have a podcast episode in the future because we tech- we never dove into religion in America um, at all, to be honest. Uh, probably I would be touch very upon curious. It. I'd be very curious to hear me and Paul's thoughts on that, like how where we agree and, and where we diverge. It, it would be super interesting considering you're uh, ride the right, but you're Christian. He rides the left. He's Christian to see how you guys would approach Christianity and uh, the inst- uh, the governmental institutions and how they should play with or without each other. Um, but before we kind of get into the topics at hand, uh, I'm going to read off. Now, I will read reviews, so obviously leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Leave a review so I can read it off. And I'm going to make sure I'm going to start like reading off comments, too. I'm going to get better at that. So people leave comments on all the content that... Um, we post here YouTube, TikTok, Instagram Reels. Um, the recent Instagram Reels, a lot of Trump supporters was not happy what I said about Nikki Haley. So, you know what I'm saying? It, it, just, you know, have fun. Go over there. Say what you want. Will I read it? I will. Will I respond? Depends. So we'll see. Uh, this is from Lincoln Clayton. Yo, I'm not trying to be rude. Love your content. It is factual and correct. Thank you for producing this love uh, he said, love you and your content, but one issue, maybe you could fix the camera. Please take no negativity from that. Have a nice day. Appreciate the criticism. This was uh, three months ago, so I'm now just kind of shouting it out. But appreciate you. Um, I won't say I, I'm not going to say I love you back because I barely say that in the first place. But shout out to you. I'm saying shout out to you. Uh, <laughs> this is from Way J. Uh, our people have adapted to the point that we can make fun of ourselves and the struggles we have gone through as a people. And we aren't the only ones that have gone through struggles. So it's like we deserve some kind of reward. But doing ish like this on the Internet when you have a massive influence, not nah, this ain't it. I think this is in response to I did a reaction or commentary about how fresh and fit um, we're kind of being racist. So, yeah, yeah. fresh and fit. Uh, I, I love the fact that people because i i did a criticism of joe rogan one time um on a different channel that i have and it got thousands of views and a bunch of nasty comments saying that i'm just some kind of like parasitic leech on the 
the underside of humanity because I responded in a negative way to Joe Rogan. And all I care about is getting crazy clicks by trying to be reactionary. I'm like, bro, I was just offering an opinion about something that I thought Joe Rogan kind of almost got right, but didn't. Um, And people just freak out whenever you try to like, like they don't understand. Like, do you realize this is how you kind of like share your opinion is you, share an opinion about something that's like controversial and big and you want to say i think this is something that's important and we should talk about this and they're like no you're never allowed to say those things yeah some of these content creators have like cult like uh fan bases so like oh yeah. you gotta realize who to it who's worth like engaging with like inherently like mm-hmm. all people are should be engaged with but my thing is both social media and a comment section is no use to having a conversation to someone who has a very simplistic way of thinking because they're not going to change their mind over some text. So that's just, Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. as how it is. Um, So I don't really, uh, I mean, the same thing happens here because um, like when I talk bad about Vivek and Trump, I mean, I don't really care. Some people would agree with me. A lot of people are going to disagree with me, but that's just how it is. Uh, This last person said, BM hacks that I respectfully disagree I was talking about Nikki Haley in this one. Haley is an establishment elitist and will continue to fund the bloated and corrupt pay-to-play bureaucracy, no doubt in my mind. And, uh, you know, this goes hand-in-hand on how people kind of have this overarching idea that they don't even know why they believe it. I feel like people hate the bureaucracy and people don't know what bureaucracies are. It's just like Mm -hmm. Trump said bureaucracies are evil, so bureaucracies are evil. It's a very dangerous well, way well, of thinking. I think there there's a very valid criticism of bureaucracy. Um, but I don't think these people also, have those criticisms. I think they just think bureaucracies are evil. Kind of like the populist mindset. That could be true. That could be true. Um, I think you're having your... Did you already record the episode with of populism? Yeah. I had uh, Tom in. Uh, yeah. this, that should be out already by the time this comes out that should be out yeah the the populism one yeah i saw on youtube because i wanted to watch it i think it's premiering the 28th you had it set yes i'm uh making sure i'm premiering all the episodes when they come out now but uh that was a good episode there was a little kind of difficulties here because apparently a raccoon and snake entered his home so he kind of had to deal with that for a second. So, you know, while he did that, I was kind of filibustering and just let that in because I was, mm. whatever I was saying, I was spitting. So, um, I would have yeah. been very, I would have liked to be in a part of that conversation because I have my thoughts about populism. Um, but yeah, yeah I think, I, I think that's true. I think a lot of people are just whatever the person whom they decide that they like says they'll just spit that out. You know, I could be guilty of that sometimes too. I think everybody can. I think that's, I think that's actually not always a bad thing. Um, and I'll take this from the approach of uh, like, as a writer, like writing, when you start writing, you naturally will impersonate somebody whom you admire. So like when I started writing, if you would have read something that I wrote when I was five, six, seven years ago, it would have sounded just like Arthur Conan Doyle because I mimicked his style of writing. And so when you start speaking about something publicly, you have people whom you admire 
and you naturally mimic them. And so you say things that sound like them until you kind of develop ideas of your own. And sometimes that can take time. Now, that's different than some people who, as you pointed out rightfully, are really just mindless and really just spat out anything. But I think that's kind of can be simplistic in and of itself. And just assuming that everybody is this way who says something that you don't entirely disagree with. Yeah, of course. It's uh, definitely you can't make that uh, overarching opinion about everyone. But I do think yeah. there's a certain a certain extent there is a level of recognition that people constantly spouting out the same stuff more than likely. And I'll, I'll buy yeah. by that. Probably don't know why they believe. Because I agree it's only human because it appeals to emotion. Like something appeals to you. Mm -hmm. It hits an emotional resonance. And you kind of believe that almost immediately. The problem is, mm -hmm. as you said is when they don't self-reflect on why they believe what they believe in yes. that moment and try to yeah. break down that. And that's kind of like yeah. what's going on now in terms of political discourse. Yeah. So Yeah, I think the yeah. difficulty is that step because the way you intrinsically know that I feel some kind of way about this is you get that emotional response. So somebody doesn't like something that Nikki Haley said, somebody doesn't like something that Donald Trump says, and they realize there's some kind of emotional, visceral reaction. I don't like this or I do like this a whole lot, but you don't take the next step. And why do I think that it's not bad that you have the first emotional response? Cause that's kind of what alerts you to your thoughts about something. But then right. a lot of people just, don't go any deeper than that. And that's when you get like the people that get roasted, like, cause they're, they're asked a question and they just have no explanation for it. And it's just like, that's where you get the yada, yada, yada destroys college student who has pink hair. All right. Um, but yeah, shout out to you. Um, I didn't have time to get my, what you need to know, uh, stuff by the time this comes out, I believe the next Republican debate would have happened. Uh, I plan to stream it. I think it's on Wednesday. So I plan to stream it. And uh, it's kind of basically the same thing I did when the other one came out. Very curious. I know Trump is not being there. That's the only thing I know. Correct. I feel, I feel like everybody else should still be there, right? Mm -hmm. I'm curious to see how Vivek goes round two. DeSantis had I'm a terrible too. performance. I, I, I feel like he should come out well round two. And Nikki Haley, I feel like we'll, we'll have a good performance again. So, I mean, those are the three. I feel like those are the three that people are just going to have their eyes on. And Mike Pence only because he's related to Donald Trump. But I feel like those. Three. Yeah, it'll be interesting. They have three moderators this time. I thought the moderators did a horrible job the first time round. Horrible. Yeah, they never really they got trampled on. I they didn't yeah, moderate. I, All they did is ask questions. That's what I felt too. But I never, I don't have a baseline on how they're supposed to do this because I don't really watch, you know, these debates. Um, yeah. So I didn't have a baseline, but from my like, they were kind of they did a bad job talking. Yeah, yeah. The people would interrupt. Sometimes people wouldn't answer the question. I'm like, okay, we're like we're just rambling at this point. Um, I would yeah. love to see. Like, I feel like, I know you disagree with this, but this is how I feel. I feel like Joe Rogan would do an exceptional job moderating um, because contrary to what 
you have expressed in the past, he actually does a great job when people don't answer questions that he asked, uh, and he just goes after them. Um, I feel like Joe Rogan can be professional in that, he like in that um atmosphere. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind it since he's like very comfortable with the interview situation. So I wouldn't yeah. mind it. I wouldn't mind it. We'll we'll see. It should be interesting uh, when it comes out. Um, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't have. I don't have any other what you need to know. So make sure you guys are reading your news. With that said, first segment we're gonna do before we get into the main topic: deep or deeper. One of my favorite sub segments because it's just weird, really abstract questions that make y'all think and bring out great content. Um, yeah, the 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 one about uh. Uh, the uh, gay marriage versus incest marriage, bro. It's a, it's a very interesting question to think about. But uh, with that <laughs> said, here's the the question for today: Should we give more criminals the ability to integrate into society, but in response or in exchange, place chips on them to check their behavior? What do you think? What makes this question interesting, because this falls in line with our uh, conversation about freedom versus safety. And what makes this question interesting is because criminals are inherently different because they kind of lose a lot of their citizenship rights in America. So it makes... I want to hear... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, it makes the question very much different versus like, any other individual, but that's all I was saying. I want to hear what you think about this first, and then because I this is kind of my my field that I'm in um, is criminal justice and and courts and law and all that. Um, and right now I'm in a couple of corrections classes. I'm in a couple of criminological theory classes. Um, and so this is kind of the thing that we've been talking about a lot lately, and especially like rehabilitation and the, the theories of punishment. Um, but I, I want to hear what you think about this first. As society continues to progress, it's really hard for me to say that moving into a place of increased observance basically more eyes on you more no more um you know specific technology to kind of track who you are and what location you're at is kind of just going to be the natural progression of society but in turn i think you'll be making it more safe finding the line will be interesting but what makes this question a little bit different is because we're focused on criminals like you said we're focused on people who went to jail and probably think of it probably to make this easier to digest for people. We're not talking about the druggies, right? We're not talking about them or drug dealers necessarily. Let's try to, try to think of people who probably when they go back at the society, more than likely based off averages, they're going to recommit a crime. They're probably going to do something potentially bad again. So it's an interesting question considering because so then why not drug dealers and and drug drug um 
drug abusers because they're well, also I wouldn't... very highly they're very highly likely to reoffend. Yeah, I wouldn't say not them, but the reason why I kind of put them in a separate category is because of potential um violence that they can attribute to society or a person. Uh so like someone who just okay, smoked so, marijuana. So in this Okay. So just to clarify, because this can change my answer a little bit, in this particular scenario, we're talking about violent hab- violent habitual offenders that we will chip when they when we release them into society. Yeah, I think that's a better okay. way to kind of start out the conversation. So violent ones, obviously pedophiles, you know, rape, stuff like that. Those individuals, when they go back into society. And for me, I think getting to that place might be okay. And the the big part about the question that I brought out is more criminals. So it could potentially allow more people to get out of prison because we know that our prison system can, uh, people say, it's uh, overpopulated, as they say. So having more people in prison in general is probably just not good for society as a whole. But if we have a better way to make sure that these people are getting properly rehabilitated by having these type of check on them, like not just a ankle brace or not periodic checks with your probation officer, but something that you can't take out unless you go to some crazy black market and they really do some surgery. But it would be crazy for them to go that far, honestly. So I think eventually a society probably could move into that phase. The only, the big concern for me when it comes to these situations always and will always be that is making sure we have the proper standpoint, meaning that we know exactly what the purpose is and we make sure that there are checks to pre- uh, prevent it from going any further than what it is now. That's always going to be the concern for these situations like these because you can obviously see the abuse of power that could happen from something like this. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, if it kind of uh, gets more people rehabilitated, gets more people out of prison and back into society because keeping keeping, uh, certain people in there for a long period of time probably is not great. And even if you wanted to add another extra kind of factor to it whereas maybe for the really violent ones pro up uh, some of the sexual offenders even they, they they do come out maybe even having it where they're not necessarily all just coming back into society but um i know there's like a town that exists for like sexual offenders is like all these sexual offenders all go to that one town that exists and it's like okay you're on the registry nobody's gonna accept you so come over here Possibly something like that could also kind of make this even better for everybody involved as well. But for now, if I had to think about it, I probably would lean this could be beneficial for our criminal justice system overall. Could be. So um, I would not be in favor of this at all. Uh, And there's a couple reasons. Uh, Firstly, we, we do pretty much already have it and we have the um electronic monitoring systems bracelets and people don't really take those off and people can't really take those off because there's actually what people don't realize is when they put them on there is a there is a cord that wraps around it and if that cord is cut um then it will alert them 
and they can't just they they can't slip it off of their ankle uh, without cutting it uh, the way it's attached. Um, so the, there's that we we kind of already do have it, but but you are right in that uh, you know a chip in somebody could potentially bring it to another level depending on how you do it um, because you could if you with the chip like that you could potentially not need alternative means of you know figuring out that they're not consuming alcohol or other illicit substances with that chip as opposed to putting on multiple monitors the issue is this is what people don't realize and i don't know if you knew this but when somebody goes to jail um and and so jail is different than prison in in uh term length and function uh, but if somebody goes to jail that means they've been sentenced to less than a year and I believe the same stands true. I don't know if the same stands true for prison, but I know in Ohio, if you go to jail, you have to pay for your jail sentence. Um, but if you get out on something like electronic monitoring, you also have to buy that monitor and pay for that monitor to function. If we were to have the technology to chip somebody, then that requires a whole lot more money to create that chip. And they're going to have to pay a lot more money to get that chip installed and to function and to keep that chip functioning just because the technological advances and the, the cost of manufacturing a chip like that. Now, one of the issues that the goal is to rehabilitate them is to obviously keep them out of prison. But if we want to keep them out of prison, this is a very common issue that people can have with something like parole is getting them a job in the first place. But if we want to chip them because they're a violent a possibly habitual offender, um, we're going to have to make them pay for that chip. But if they can't get a job and they can't pay for the chip, then they're not going to make money, which means they're not going to meet their parole requirements, but they're also not going to be able to afford another aspect of the parole environment, which is the paying for the chip, which means we're going to have to throw them back in jail because they violated their parole. In many instances, depending on the charge, a violation of parole is a more serious offense than the actual charge in which they were imprisoned for and we would just do that cycle over and over and over again because of the difficulties of parole and the costs of things like that um so that and that is only if i suppose if the goal is rehabilitation because one of the things we do know is the longer you spend in prison the harder it is to rehabilitate you because you're ingrained in that prison culture more and more um and you just distance from society so that brings up a whole issue of which I'm exploring now, um, but I don't have to get into that. But if the goal, like you said, is for the purpose of rehabilitation, I think this would be a bad way to do it um, just because it would constantly lead to parole violations. I will say that um, inherently based off the, the process that you're referring to, because, yeah, I didn't know that they would have to technically buy or pay for the, the systems mm -hmm. that are mm -hmm. um, part of them. But I would say if the choice not was cheap either, and I would imagine it so, but at the same time, you only can feel so sorry for people who are habitual offenders at the same time. I will say this. I feel like if the option was prompted to them, they still would take the chance mm -hmm. to get back into regular society and get out of prison um, more so, often than not. But I will. It's hard for me to imagine that a system put in place where if you can't afford this technology that you're kind of going out is a good system inherently, because like, 
for okay let's point it out there let's get some numbers how much would it an average cost to pay for like the ankle bracelet for an offender okay so the ankle bracelet um it goes by the day because they'll send you like 90 90 days on an ankle monitoring system or something like that i bet you i can look it up um Um, I, I'll look up for Ohio. I want to say it, it's it's not cheap. Um, I would, uh, yeah, I would imagine it wouldn't be cheap. I'll, I'll look it up here. Um, uh, the, and the reason why I'm asking this is that in if, even from like I'm sure the price that you're about to bring up is going to be extremely expensive. I feel like there's probably a reasonable understanding, and I might be wrong, of if someone okay. gets a job and them not being able to afford the the technology regardless is more of a situation of um, happenstance versus them not trying to rehabilitate. But go ahead. So, okay, so it'll depend on a couple of things, but this is for an electronic monitoring in Oregon. So different places will have different fees. And you can also use different companies. Um, but so this is from Oregon Municipal Court. Costs uh, without a stalker alert is uh, $10 per day and a $20 installation fee, as well as $90 due at the time of installation and um, $80 due each week thereafter until the case is over. Um, so, yeah. So that'll depend. It'll depend on the day and how long you are there and how long it is. But if you're going to do um, a stalker alert, which will uh, essentially implement as well as GPS unit inside of it to make sure that they stay away from somebody if they right. were charged with some kind of um, protection order violation, then it it would go to twelve dollars per day and twenty dollar installation fee table in the following and so 104 dollars due at the time of installation this is for seven days of monitoring um but nobody's going to sentence to just seven days on a monitor like that it'll be something more like uh 15 days uh upwards to like uh, i think the longest i ever saw was 90 days on a monitoring unit hmm. uh, so. i mean uh, for now it's really i mean to be fair i don't know how much it would cost to kind of create a chip but I do think we probably could reach a point in time, if not now it currently exists, where there are certain ways of technology, because there are certain instances where technology is more advanced, but it is cheaper because of how it's made. So it would yeah. be uh, interesting to see. Uh, someone said experts have studied it and concluded that if a person doesn't choose to do crime, the likelihood of needing an ankle brace is dramatically reduced. Stop right there. Yes, this is a little mini ad. Don't skip. Don't skip. All I want to tell you right now is that at the end of the day, when it comes down to all the discussions I want to have, I want to be able to communicate with you, the audience. I want to be able to relay a message and receive a message from everyone and try to come up with these great solutions that I keep on talking about. So if you want to be part of the community, make sure you go to the website and sign up for not only the email list so you can get weekly emails from me for the podcast episode, informational sessions, all that great stuff, but also sign up to go on my Discord so you can be part of the discussions, debates on my live streams. So be sure to go to the website, www.purplepoliticalbreakdown.com, 
and go to the email list, sign up, and go to the Discord and join the server. Now back to the episode. You know what? I feel like I agree. People shouldn't choose to do What did he say? Well, yeah. Um, Yeah, so there's uh, there's a lot of... And and this gets to ultimately what what is the goal of punishment, right? Um, And so if the goal of punishment is focusing like we have been for the last since the 70s um so the last 50 years um we have focused away from the victim to the defendant to the offender so our goal in punishment is for rehabilitation is a lot is is the very current thing in the criminal justice community um and so we spend a lot of a lot more resources on the offenders and trying to get them back into society. But the issue is, is we really don't know why people commit crimes. You know, um, there's a lot of different theories about that. Uh, there's something like the social learning theory, which is partly true. You know, people learn offense. They, they learn criminality from peers, but that gets back to the issue of obviously that's not a theory that can be extrapolated back for very far. Because at some point, one of the peers had to decide for the first time that they're going to commit a crime. Why did they do that? Well, you can look right. at the rational choice theory. And, and you could just go on and nobody really knows why. And, and everybody, I of think, course, is obsessed. I think the, the issue there is that tr- the, the – and to be fair, I mean, based off your, your study, maybe it's – they're not technically trying to do this. But anytime you mm-hmm. try to find – one theory to solve uh, a big problem. I don't think mm-hmm. you'll you'll ever kind of get where you want because oh, I agree like, entirely. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons why people commit crime. Um, what I mm-hmm. mean, you can go the simplistic way where there's people that are socio or psychopathic. You can go to the Robin Hood way where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, by circumstance they got to do this to survive. Like, there's yeah. a lot of different reasons. Um, oh yeah. But, Overall, for me, when it comes to prison, I only can see two ways to really go about these uh, the prisoners, and it really should be either rehabilitation or just, hey, man, get them out of here. So it should yeah. keep. So wait, are you a fan of? Are you uh, are you pro death penalty? Uh yeah, yeah. Certain people I think just we gotta... talked about that one time. I don't think we yeah. did, I think, but I think certain people should. You might have talked about it afterwards. One day is what I was saying. Um, it, yeah, it's like there's but, no reason why we got to rehabilitate Jeffrey Dahmer, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's really no reason why we got to do all that. This is, you know, I don't want to belabor the point of we got to move on to something else, but I, I'm not a fan of the rehabilitative model. Um, because certain people just will not be rehabilitated. This is one of right. the issues with rehabilitation. And the theories is they're trying to come up with ways of rehabilitating people, of which many of them do not wish to be rehabilitated. Um, and so you can't force rehabilitation on somebody. And I've seen it many times is that somebody gets put on a program and they complete the program, but then we see them back two weeks anyways uh, in another week or so. Because they do what they they say the things that need to be said and they do the things that need to be done so they can get out and continue exactly the way that they were living before, which means and which means we need to find a punishment for them that 
is just and that they have paid back their debt to society is you know you violated this way and yeah. this punishment is swift and this is what mo all of the research has suggested this is everybody's very uh upset about the tough on crime era because it jacked up a lot of the penalties but it didn't really do much to deter crime and this is one of the issues especially right. with more recent crime is simultaneously the punishments will get worse but we see now a lot of the da's are telling their prosecutors not to prosecute certain crimes so the the severity of the punishment is very high but the certainty of punishment is very low very very few people believe that they're going to get caught and fewer believe that if they're going to get caught they're not going to get the maximum penalty because of plea bargaining which is just comes with the turf you're not going to get around plea bargains so I'm glad you brought that up and the not the necessarily uh, the criminal justice part, because that will be conversation for another day. But in terms of the individuals that inherently will never get rehabilitated. Right. So they're not as bad as Jeffrey Dahmer, but they kind of live in anarchy, basically, or in ingrained in it to the extent where they just will never see themselves kind of be on the up and narrow. So that kind of begs another question at that point the only solution for me is embedding fear into them and that's what something like a chip would do it would embed that fear that okay you can go out but just know that we we're watching we watching what you're doing and yeah at the end of the day the uh, keeping them in the prison the entire time doesn't benefit anybody really it doesn't really benefit our society as yeah. a whole so mm -hmm. it's just better for even like if you want to think like based off the a societal uh, model having so another person who's out there working is just best for society as a whole so yeah the people... issue yeah go ahead go for it um the issue with that is right it, you just said that leaving them in prison isn't going to do much for them right um but the problem is, is if we know that they're not going to be rehabilitated, we put the chip in there, mm -hmm. then, then what is, what's, what's the point of the chip? Because we don't want to throw them back in prison because we want somebody working. But the reason that they're offending in the first place is because they don't want to work and they need resources. So they're going to find a way to get those resources without obeying the constraints of society, which gets into the concept of incapacitation. The pun the one of the there's four theories of punishment. There's retribution, deterrence, incapacitation, and rehabilitation. Incapacitation says you're not going to be a benefit to society in any way, shape, or form. So we're simply going to remove you from society. Because as long as you're in society, we talked about the social learning theory, you are going to influence other people to follow along in those footsteps. Many criminals, one of the issues that they have is they have many, many kids. And they're constantly belabored on all sides by mothers seeking money from them to try to support their kids and their genealogy. Uh, but they won't do it. And so they get huge taxes and, and huge penalties um, from the courts saying that they owe these people money. And so when they get caught, they are caught with like 30 warrants for different court mandates and co different court money. But they're not working in the first place, so they're not going to be able to pay for it. So we throw them in prison because they're violating court orders and they of course have many other problems along with that and i'm just making up numbers right not quite 30 i'm being a little bit right you know, dramatic but 
the the benefit to society is not having them stay in society just knowing that they're being watched. They don't really care if they're being watched anyways. Many of them are on probation. I mean, they have to report to a probation officer all the time. Um, and so they effectively know that they're being watched and that they're going to get caught at some point or other. Um, so there's not much point in shipping them. The best solution for these people who are refused to be rehabilitated, not due to lack of effort, but they just aren't going to be rehabilitated, is to just incapacitate them. If Because this is what people have a misconception. The judge does not hit when he when the judge takes an oath, he takes an oath to uphold and preserve what is good for his society as a whole. So Judge Aram, um, Judge Erhanian of my court, I uh, probably shouldn't have said that because now some crazy person is going to look up where I live. But um, he, he swore to protect and defend the rights of the citizens in the city in which he is the judge. So he looks out for the public and the society as a whole. And if the offender is going to be served by that moving forward of the justice for the city in which he is good or in which he is in, then that's good. And, and we'll work with that offender. But if that person is going to be contradictory towards the, the public health as a whole, then we, then we must remove him from that society because the judge owes a debt to society not to that offender. And so we have to look out for what is good for society as a whole. And if we're going to have all of these people who refuse to be rehabilitated, just parading through the streets, causing anarchy, then we need to remove them from society, which is a very unpopular thing to say. So for me, and this is the final thing I'll say about it, for me is that I think the chip inherently will provide a better basically coverage of the individual i mean parole is you know good for what it is but obviously we know it's it's somewhat momentary and there's a lot of time in between that you don't exactly know what they're doing who they're talking to x y and z mm -hmm. if the chip works based off how we're kind of uh, imagining it it would have a lot of information about the person and what they're doing on a very pretty much consistent basis to the point where the idea that they can kind of escape the rules and do something else to survive it would be utterly impossible it'd be basically you know you know it's tough to say that but they would basically be on 24 hour watch for the yeah, most part i got so you with the, so yeah. in that situation because of the lack of ability to do anything but actually work there's really no there's really no way that they can kind of buy into that criminal behavior. Now, with that said, those people knowing that they're still being watched and go like I just can't do this, at that point I think there is something to be said that they should be incapacitated. And I would say there probably could be a system where there are people out there that just want, okay, tell me what to do every day, give me food, give me a place to sleep. That's fine. Yeah, um, I so. I understand uh, the 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 concept behind it. This is the one flaw that I can see in that, um, and then I'll be done. Um, if you were to do something like that, there would have to be some policy that gets passed along with that technology to ensure that criminals can get jobs at places. Because the one issue is right. 
they want to work when they get out, but they can't get a job because they're labeled as prisoners. Right. Right. They have that public record that can be found at any time. And I think, you know, that that comes with the turf. People should know that depending on your crime, I think um, I think if you're applying for a job in which your criminal record is. uh, Important information like, you know, you're a sex predator and you're trying to work at a, a school then I think you should have to do that. But I think if we're, if we are if granting the premise that we want to rehabilitate people, and I'm not saying that we don't want to rehabilitate people, obviously, um, but if that's the premise we're going off of, then we would need to make sure that I don't think we want their criminal record gone immediately. But maybe if I'm applying at a hard labor job and my offense has nothing to do with this work, then my criminal record doesn't exist at that point. But if it is, then they can access it. Um, right. That way they can get work, pay for the chip, and be productive in society. Yeah, I would I would agree to that. I would agree to that. Um, so with that said, we're going to touch upon our main topic. Um, Liberty here said, some people are just bad. Bad people choose crime. Ain't no mystery. Good people don't do, do, don't do crime generally. Uh, I mean, the the concepts of good and bad is very, very uh, nuanced, to be honest. I, I agree, Liberty. Um, that is a, a slightly simplistic approach, but uh, I, I by and large, I agree with you, right? Um, a lot of the theories of criminology are really just trying to avoid the fallen state of man, uh, which I don't have to avoid as a believing Christian. I realize that, uh, you know, the heart is desperately wicked um above all things and uh desires things that are very bad for it um and a lot of people give into that temptation uh it's not anyways yeah i could uh, i could go on for hours about uh, uh, these these type of conversations are uh, very unique but with that said um for the last um half an hour or so we're going to be talking about the the main topic at hand, which is uh, the power of the minority. Now, what I mean by this is, I had a kind of epiphany. Um, there is a every time there's certain conversations where we kind of recognize certain things. For example, the minority, the vocal minority, is a term that is used for people who are the minority of people on maybe the internet in general or maybe a follower of some certain person but they are so loud it seems like they represent the entirety of the of the people or we mm-hmm. use terms that were revolving around you know stuff regarding trans stuff where it's like it's happening to a minority minority population like how much should we care and i i had an epiphany regarding this concept because inherently a lot of these situations revolving the minority Honestly, I'm beginning to think they matter way more than we're actually giving it credit for. Because in reality, a lot of the people who benefit from like certain, um, you know, being a, maybe an entertainer or content creator or being a businessman, most of their profit comes from a minority population. Most of the clicks, most of the views come from a minority niche population so it makes me really think that yes a lot of these instances revolve the the people who tend to be the loudest especially like social issues are the minority but the one that make that the the people that is actually making any change in any impact is 
also the minority. So I feel like after having this epiphany, I'm realizing that we can't undermine the value of the minority as much as we think um, as much as we do just based off numbers. Because if we're comparing impact, how many times in general can we really like think and maybe I'm overthinking a few things, but how much how many instances can we think when it's kind of starting a very powerful movement where it was the majority that was taking action and not the minority? Nope. Most of the time it's the minority taking action and the majority follows. So I feel like that is such an important point and it makes me recognize that the minority is probably the most important aspect in a lot of these conversations. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I think that you have certainly identified a, a, a correct trend, right? Um, there's the very famous 80, 20 rule that uh, 20% of a company's profits or uh, 80% of a company's profits rather comes from about 20% of their business. Right. So it's just marketing and all these different things that like 80% or like uh, in volunteer work, like 20% of the like so for our church like 20 percent of our church accounts for probably more like 90 percent of all the volunteer work that gets done is just a, a small fraction of the people um so yeah like your most loyal fan base uh of the 100 percent people that you have really only 20 percent of them are going to engage with all the material they're going to really be avidly following uh that's certainly the case um so yeah there's i don't think there has ever been a discounting of the value of a minority, right? Uh, I think that's a mis at least in 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 my estimation and from uh, from what I have observed is we've I have never thought like oh a minority is insignificant, especially a loud minority, right? It's always the squeaky wheel that gets the grease. Um, it's always the the minority that cause a big ripple effect, but the issue is treating the minority as if it is the majority of people. That is the issue. The issue is when we realize that when we make policy that is scoping across the entire nation, catering to a very small minority, especially this is the issue, especially when we realize that what this particular minority wants is not a good thing. That's not for the benefit of society, right? That's the issue. No, I, I'm definitely there with you because not every minority is probably in the betterment of society as a whole. And I wouldn't even say that people in generally think the minority are insignificant. My the, the point that I'm trying to make is recognizing their impact, because what this mm. can do is it can really put in perspective how much of a pro basically a benefit of said trend or movement or minority movement versus how much of a threat that minority movement can be and a lot of the instances like you they i, I kind of started with like thinking like bro businesses benefit from minorities but like everything that we kind of thinking of in terms of the biggest movements in society like civil rights movement with mlk minority the the stuff regarding um women's suffrage minority and i'm not saying the 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 people were minority i'm saying the people who started the movement 
was the minority population and once and then they got more people the majority alongside them so this kind of sheds light on a very particular things now and that is the lgbtq community and that is the red pill slash trump movement two three like different movements very different well, the agendas. trump movement is not the minority trump is destroying the landscape on the republican side he has like 60 percent support so i'm glad you said that so as of right now you could probably say that but on 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 wide people as a whole it's still the minority not everybody even participates in the polling so it's only a select people who are interested in politics that participate in the polling and they are from right from what you said would be majority Trump supporters. But that's the point. It started out as a minority. And yes. it's grow it grew into the influence to the point where we have people actually thinking that the election is rigged. So this is and now it's a majority based off people who participate in polling. So and that is the the point at the end of the day is what regardless of what side you're on when you treat these people as non-issues some kind of like throwaway individuals that don't really mean anything that that is that, that at that point that can be extremely damaging to future movements for example because the people from the lgbtq community that feel like they're not unheard from people from the right, for example, what is going to happen is that their rhetoric, their movement, their their impact is actually only going to grow unless it's very cutthroat and clear that society as a whole is against their whole agenda. And right now in America, it's becoming much, 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 much more lenient. It's the state religion. For which part? What? What part? LGBT plus, that's the state religion now. They I wouldn't go aside. They move. Hey, hang on, listen, just think about this. All right. Okay, think about this. They moved aside the American flags and put the the militant progressive pride flag in the center of the White House. They they constantly during the, they didn't they they constantly have expanded it. From, you know, Pride Day to Pride Week to Pride Month to this time, the summer of Pride. It was the summer of Pride. They're constantly extending it. And all of the biggest people, all of, you know, Joe Biden himself, the president of the United States, has come out in favor of this stuff. He's done interviews. He's forsaken interviews with many people, except for Dylan Mulvaney, who we invited into the White House. Everything they do is always about considering the LGBTQ plus people. It's certainly the state religion. Regardless they of what you think, of- it's, it, it's kind of the regardless of what you say regarding the LGBTQ community. And they are getting much more like 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 you said, they're getting much more consolidated in their in their rhetoric to the point where they do have flags. Um, regardless of that, because I think both sides have that, which I pointed out both sides, the 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 issue here regarding the lgbtq trump supporters the red pill movement is that the other sides and this plays into the bigger conversation we constantly have 
is that all these other sides, the the majority, as they say, the the ones that are kind of t make up most of the population, they keep on ignoring them, kept on letting them go, kept on letting them do what they do, or push them further to whatever side they're getting pushed into. Yeah. So, and the reason why I brought up the nation as a whole is because it's becoming much more lenient on allowing a way of life kind of to perpetuate. And that could be in part due to social media. And that can be in part due to the increased value of freedom of speech in correspondence to social media and allowing more and more people to kind of get behind a certain ideology, which like the three ones that I presented to you. So in that, in that situation, all these individuals, what makes them so influential is because the majority of the people don't do anything like you and Paul both say constantly. Well, mostly Paul, I don't I don't, I don't think you say much, but maybe you, maybe you think the same way is that you guys think that your party should get more involved or mm -hmm. Paul says Democrats should get more involved. They should be much more active. You know who are the um, active ones? The minority population. That is why they're getting so much influence. They're yes. constantly out there. Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am. I'm a little bit different than Paul in that I don't say Republicans should be more active. Um, I would say Christians need to be more active, right? Because um, before Republican, before even conservative, I'm a Christian. Um, and in America, and I think isn't the majority of the population Christian? Allegedly, um, but yes, um, they identify as Christian, but that's just like identifying as a woman, as a man doesn't mean it's true. Um, <laughs> um, they know where you I live. I think they, that's fine. Um, you know, I have means of protection that they probably do not. Um, Except for I just lost an immunability. But anyways, um, I I am more in favor of Christians and conservatives becoming active in politics um, because influence will be wielded, power will be dealt. Whether or not you have anything to say about it is another matter entirely. Um, have you ever read, um, well, have you ever heard of Alexander Solzhenitsyn? I feel like I have, but asking me if i read anything anything of his is yeah no. so he's got every i think every single american should be required to read his very short essay that he wrote uh the day that he was exiled out of the soviet union uh and it's an article that says uh the title of it is live not by lies and the the premise is is pretty straightforward it is do not live by lies uh, the way that the Soviets took hold is essentially through fence riders. Um, and the one thing that he exonerates people to not do is to ride the fence. If you are, don't believe, this is something that Andrew Clavin says, don't believe what you're not going to believe, right? And that's something that would seem straightforward. But if you're going to truly live in a way that you are going to not believe what you're not going to believe, is you're going to speak out against it because silence, you know, I'm not silence is in many ways, it's a form of mind control. 
if you can convince somebody to not speak out about something, then that's going to affect the one it's going to affect you because you are going to become the kind of person that doesn't speak out about something, right? The more you uh, go along with the behavior, the more you're going to cope with that behavior and not change that behavior. So that's going to have implications for you. If, if you are handed a lie and you don't, and you say you're afraid to speak out about something, then you're not going to speak out about something. But there's somebody else who maybe your words would have affected. If you had, if they heard the other side, you know, this is why we talk about uh, uh, all the time how internet silos form because it's very easy to watch one video that's a very convincing video about the fact that the earth is flat. But if you're never prevented the other side of the story, that's going to affect the way you think about something because you're not going to have access to that. And so if there's this minority of people who are speaking out about something, but nobody says, anything to oppose them because that's politically incorrect or it's inconsiderate or it's rude or it's mean to dissent about that because they feel this is true and you can't say anything about that. You just have to be silent and you must be above all tolerant of what they think. But if I believe heartily that that is false, that that is a, a, an untrue premise, I'm not saying anything specific right now, so this can apply to anything. I want to speak out about that. And if I can't speak out about that, that's a huge issue because it's letting a lie in my perception uh, and in sometimes in, in all reality perpetuate through me because I don't speak out about something. And that's why minorities can have such a huge influence because if you are convinced that, well, I have to be tolerant towards this group of people no matter what, then I won't speak out about it. And that's how they can have such big effect is because of fence writing. I do think that definitely plays a part. But with that said, I'm I'm thinking about everything scaled, everything um, in terms of um, the, the conversations or the rhetoric or the the positions that people have on the whole, and it, it's clicking more and more that at the end of the day. The biggest issues or the biggest movements that people try to push or even the situation that you presented already regarding we shouldn't create policies based off the minority. Inherently, that makes sense. Logically, that makes sense. But moving forward, I don't think these are valid enough reasons. I think you need to get in depth a little bit more because when it comes down to impact, Versus numbers. I think impact pretty much wins every single time. Impact and influence. And the difference between a minority population for anything. Like the biggest example we can point out in America. Is that the biggest minority that has all the power. The 1%. They have the most influence. The most money. And they have there all the important people, George Soros, um, what's his name? BlackRock. Oh, BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street. I don't know the owner. I don't remember the name. Was it? No, I forget his name. But these individuals, a lot of power. We, who, we know this. They're the minority. A lot of people's issues with like maybe some lefty saying, oh, the institution's racist. 
Their issue is not the majority of the population. It's the minorities that have the power and control. At the end of the day, big people's issues, and it's coming to me more and more, a lot of these situations are based off minorities having extreme amount of influence and impact because they're the ones that go and take it. They're the ones that get wealthy. They're the ones that become mm, activists. Yeah. They're the ones that go out in society. They're the ones that vote. They're the ones that are involved in politics so much that they're going to be the first people that politicians see. It's not going to be the yeah. person that, like you said, fence into stay at home. No, the first person they're going to see, if you're on the right, is a Donald Trump supporter. Or the first person you're going to see, if you're on the left, is an LGBTQ supporter. So the, the reason why I'm pointing this out is that the, the conversation that we shouldn't create policies because it only affects a minority population, although is true, it means nothing. Because what do you mean it means nothing? It means nothing in the sense of if you're a politician and your aim is the people that are supporting you, the people who are going to have the most impact in supporting you is going to be that minority population. And I think people Mm -hmm. should be looking at the American people as a whole, but we know the politics game, right? We know what it is. Some people are going to get votes. Some people want donations. What is the majority of the donation and votes are going to come from? It's going to come from a minority population. What's the majority of the canvassing going to come from? It's going to come from a minority population. That's how it works. So so they're they're going to appeal to these people and then potentially create policies for these people. And... The, the only reason why I'm pointing this out is because the expectation, just because there are a small percentage of people and that and that's enough for them for you to dissuade people of their impact, is just not actually true in reality. I think that's something so important for people to know. But yeah, go ahead. So there's a, there's a couple, I think, I would say flaws in that perception, but I agree, right? So most of the canvassing most of the donations is going to come from a, a, a minority of the population. That, that much is obvious, right? There, here's the issue, though. Okay, so let's play out a hypothetical. Go for it. Um, let's, say, let's say I'm a conservative, shockingly, and I'm, a, and I'm a, a Republican presidential candidate, and I have found a clique, a small clique, that has made me very popular, okay, and um, but it's but it's a minority of people, right? I'm the very popular minority candidate, okay, and I maybe in the geo maybe in the GOP primary I am you know sweeping up and it, it's looking like I'm going to win the GOP primary, which is still a relatively minority part uh, part of the country that is going to uh, vote for me, right? Because it's a primary and it's Republican. And it's a fraction. So I'm a competitor to Donald Trump, but it looks like I'm going to win the GOP. I win the GOP candidacy. Uh, and so now I am the GOP um, Republican candidate. Now I have to go up against the Democrat candidate. Right now, under your premise that I continue to only appeal to that minority party, there is no chance that I'm going to win the, the actual general election. Because 
even if I'm catering to a very active political minority, it doesn't matter how much power they have. I'll never be able to actually win a presidential uh, election because I'm still only appealing to a minority, even if they have a lot of power and I can raise all the money in the world and all the donations. But if I don't change my rhetoric to appeal to a broader audience, a more general audience, then I'll never actually get into power. But let's say, let's say I get into power. Let's say somehow I manage to still win the presidential election. But now that I am in the presidency, now that I'm in the position, I continue to only once again appeal to that minority. Well, the fact that they're a minority means that eventually the majority of people will become very upset with the things that I'm doing because I'm not doing anything for them. That's an issue. But there's also the issue that the governorship or the governance of the country, the president, the very the government, its purpose is not to appeal to those people who have the most power. That's why there's a lot of dissatisfaction, because what they're doing right now is only appealing to the majority of, or to the minority people that have the most power. But the government's role is to see the flourishing of society as a whole. It's a fundamentally different thing. So I want to say this. First, I'm not saying you should do that. I'm saying that is what's happening. I know. I know. Yeah. 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 So that's what I'm saying. So I don't think you should appeal to the minority. I, th- I think obviously you should look at society as a whole and what's the betterment of society as a whole. Mm-hmm. My thing is, I think based on how society is going currently, a lot of the issues that people have, they think it's society as a whole, but no, in actuality, it's appealing to minority populations because those minority populations have the most impact and have the most influence. My, yeah, that's my, something that's that, and and I agree with what you're about to say, where it's like that's something that has probably been happy for all the time because I keep on applying it to more and more things. Like it, ha- it's like that's just how things run. Yeah, but that's right, the, like the that's, NFL. Five percent of five percent of people. That's what the NFL is comprised of. Exactly. And that's why I brought this. I think that's why this is such an important conversation is because people don't recognize the power of the minority. Like even the term minority, they don't think it's like, oh, it's just a minority of people. It's just a small percentage of people. And like in most arguments, that's a very valid thing to say, like when it comes to like intersex people, for example. But at the same time, the the something the important thing is to consider is the potentiality that more often than not, if something is going to get done, it's going to be get, getting done by a minority group that has a strong ideal. Yeah. So, yeah, of course, when it came to stuff, and I think this goes to both sides because people who are like on the right, I'll give like that are talking about, hey man, the stuff regarding LGBTQ and trans. Yes, it's the minority people, but this is like an actual big issue because of how influential this group is, is very fair yeah, to say. Yeah, that's why Matt Walsh is the way that he is, because he realizes how powerful that small minority of people are because they have won the ear of many of the big corporations. But right? also All at the, the same big- time, to be fair, it's the same thing from the other side. So it's happening on both sides where they have it started out as a small minority group, small minority ideal, and it's grown in influence. It's overshadowing who, what both sides are. Yeah. What's a, what's an example on the right side though? 
Well, the right side is two things. It's uh, the whole red pill stuff and then the the Trump supporters. So that's so uh, I would those are the two under- things that I point out for yeah. for that side. Okay, so I can I'll I can kind of concede the red pill community, but I would I would protest against the 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 you know the concept that Trump was he was a minority, you know, ten years ago. He was a minority when he started, but now he is. He does, in fact, represent. And that's my point. Conservative side. That minority grew. That's how power it is. Yeah. But that's how it always is. But it's no longer pointing out a minority that's overshadowing the conservative side. Right. That That's because that's not true anymore. It used to be. But you could go and say the same thing with any of the Democrats. Right. At one point, Joe Biden was the minority candidate. But now but nobody says, oh, Joe Biden. I mean, some people say that Joe Biden doesn't represent a Democrat. But one of the most reasonable Democrats I know would be Paul. And Paul is, he said, ride or die, Joseph R. Biden. Right. He concedes that, no, Joseph Biden does, in fact, represent Democrats and Trump, though people protest it, just pointing out the facts that if we're going to use polls by any stretch of the imagination, we have to say, well, if he's at 60 percent of the Republican side, then he does, in fact, represent the average Republican. And he was president, which means he does represent at least more than half of the Republican side. Right. I would concede. I'm what I'm referring to because this, like I said, plays exactly to my point where the minority got gained all the influence it did to the point where it's as yeah. powerful as it is now. And I'm really referring to the a specific ideology, which in like we already know the red pill and LGBTQ one, but my issue for the Trump one is the anti-establishment rhetoric that continues to grow from Trump supporters. So. That is what I'm referring to. Not not necessarily that mm-hmm. people support Trump, but the the So you're the, identifying I, the rise I, of populism. Basically, yeah. Basically. The the but I mean populism as of right now kind of goes I'm referring to a very specific kind. Because there's populists on the left too. So I'm very I'm referring to the the yeah, ones Robert that are associated <laughs> facts. And I'm I'm referring to the ones that are associated with Trump and his rhetoric versus the current establishment. Um, I mean, the the comment I read earlier is a perfect example where he's saying, like, all bureaucrats should disappear, all, all bureaucracies should disappear. And uh, so that is what I'm referring to in terms of the that minority um, ideology now growing to the point where it is. Now, I don't even necessarily know if... Every single Trump supporter buys into that, too. Like, I don't think all of them have this anti-establishment populist rhetoric. But so it what's could your be. issue I don't with really populism? Know. Oh, I think the whole entire idea of thinking that the entire system is corrupt against the people doesn't serve any purpose and pushes it pushes no uh, solution. Because, I mean, where it can lead to, especially not led into a proper direction, because I don't think... I can't think of a situation where it is unless a revolution is about to happen, but America should never have a revolution. That's ridiculous. Um, but there's a revolution every four years. I, I, don't, I don't agree. I, I don't agree. Yeah, there is. So I'm talking about a every revolution. Four years. So I don't, I'm not, I'm never going to agree to what you're about to say. I'm saying the what revolution. Am I about to say? You're, you're talking about uh, every four years we change the, the, the president voting 
Well, we didn't change more than that. We changed almost, we changed one third of the entire governance. Yeah, the Iran. entire executive branch. I mean, I know what you're saying. No, 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 no. Not just the entire executive branch. Do they have it set up so that every third year or every one third year, yep. um, they change one third of the entire governance, which includes all senators, House of Representatives, uh, all Congress, Judiciary. Yep, them too. Yep, oh, yep. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not That's agreeing. That's revolution. Oh, no. I'm not agreeing. But no, but, I, but so also, I mean, I, I know, I'm, I'm being. I know, I know. You're, 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 no, I get it. I get it. Um, regard, the, the point is, because I don't even want to be stuck on this Trump point. The point is, is that the, the influence of the minority population, there's two things I feel like should be addressed, and we should probably just do this because I try to keep this under an hour and a half. But if we go a little over, I'll talk to the people. But the point is, is that there I feel like there's two ways we should approach this. One is that there should be a more concerted effort to like connecting with other minority groups, because I do think there's a certain level of thinking that hey, it's a minority group they they mean nothing to me they're not going to have any influence but in reality they probably have some of the strongest influence in reality because the the word minority inherently is powerful because they think it's lesser mm -hmm. but in reality yeah. because i don't think people realize how much impact the minority populations have so i would i would tend to agree um i do think there's one possible fault um, I would totally, I totally agree that many people, you know, they use the word, oh, this is a minority of the population, right? And I think the Bolsheviks are a great example. So do you know what the word Bolshevik means? Nope, no idea. So it actually means majority. Um, and the Mensheviks that were, this is talking about the Bolshevik revolution that brought about communism. The Bolshevik meant majority party, even though it was actually like 15% of the political landscape of the day were Bolsheviks. All the rest of them were Mensheviks, which means minority party. And they didn't really choose the term Mensheviks, but they, history kind of assigned that because they chose the Bolshevik party and the Bolshevik revolution to make it seem as if they had more. But here's the, here's the problem. Not every party is a Bolshevik party. Not every minority actually is going to have a disproportionate level of influence. That's just the name of the game. Oh, yeah, right? for sure. Only those. On, and so that's, I think, why many people still say, oh, well, they're still a minority. And one of the one of the reasons that because we keep using them, the LGBT party is keeps growing is not because they're necessarily gaining a whole lot of political influence all the time, which which they are. But that's not the sole reason. One of the other reasons they have the influence that they have is because they keep convincing people that they're growing but they're not growing because they can't grow, right? They can't repopulate. That's just the nature of the game. <laughs> no, agreed. but what they do is they go from these are the, the gay rights to LGBT rights to LGBTQ rights to LGBTQIA two S blah, 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 blah. Plus. Uh, yeah. yeah like LG... I said, they're, it's so growing. Instead of, yep. Well, it's not growing. They're not. They're it's growing. Actually growing. Because they, I agree, are but they're encapsulating more other minority yes, identities. Here's, here's one of the issues that I can foresee in the future of that uh, constituency: mm -hmm. the LG, and even maybe the B, but the LG and the two and the TQ are 
they are mutually exclusive categories. And you see this with Which such is, things. I will say this because I know exactly where you're going with it. The funny thing is I did watch a video. I think it was gay conservatives and gay liberals. It was a Jubilee video. Yeah. And in that situation, they brought up, is there a difference between lesbian and gay? And then the rest of the letters and by, and there's a, there's a, there's a notice of that. They're different, but there's an general, there's a collective belief that they should be supporting each other. So I don't think it will ever that, break apart. Um, I disagree. Okay. And I, I am a person that, tries to I'm trying to think of the correct term um, that I so I can't think of a, an exact term but I'll try to explain it the best that I can there are realities that people don't all that aren't always people aren't always aware of and a lot of that has to do with metaphysics um, and um, what, what's called the meta narrative an underlying truth and so when you take an approach about um, somebody's sexual orientation that says they are born, because this is the, the current thing, is people are born gay. I think most people believe that. Uh, I won't say what I think about that on this particular time. But people are born gay is a, is a general consensus, right? Um, and so if you're born gay, then that means you don't really have an opportunity to choose it. But transgenderism isn't always the same thing. And queer is something else entirely. Transgenderism posits that you can uh, be born in the wrong body. But essentially, most trans people are really just gay people that that don't uh, are uncomfortable with that. And so because they're attracted to the same sex, they they think that, well, I must actually be the opposite sex. I must actually be born because I'm not comfortable in my body. And I don't believe that that's a possibility anyways. I don't think God makes mistakes that way. But the the fundamental nature of thinking that because I'm attracted to this kind of person, I must actually be the opposite is an untenable ground for both of those to be clumped together as the same thing. Moreover, queerness is kind of a whatever you feel like at the moment. I am queer. I can be anything at this moment. I might be attracted to this person versus that person. It's an untenable ground. It will cause a rift fundamentally because of the axioms that they're resting on. See, I understand what you're saying logically, but I don't think the those uh, individuals uh, agree to some of the things you're re referring to, regardless well, if it's if it's true or not. To be honest, but I'm gonna the 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 point here, and the the last point I'm gonna make regarding this is because is the fact that. The point of the conversation I'm putting out is to inform people, <laughs> one, not to be ignorant, to think that just because it's a minority population, it won't have eventual influence and eventual impact. Ignoring it and hoping it just dies out can be very ignorant. And especially, and this is the biggest part, with the introduction of the internet, and self-made content creation and with social media and the ability to acquire and basically 
communicate with a lot of different individuals based off a very specific and minority ideology or so. People should understand and people should not forget that you have to be willing to engage in these things. Perfect example. We brought it up on the podcast before. Nick Fuentes. Nick Fuentes, not a great guy. And I'm not even saying he's going to grow enough influence to make any damage, but he did have a lot of notoriety when he was with Kanye West after Kanye West's little crazy stint. So he definitely has influence. I'm not saying it will grow too much, but you can't deny his existence and ignore it to the point where you think, oh, all the people Nick Fuentes has and all the people that listen to him, oh, they're just a small population. It'll be fine. I don't really care. They can all burn. That is not going to push anything forward. The recognition that the minority population, from my in terms of impact, usually is the most impactful in general. That is the conclusion I'm making, that a specific, not all, because Jonathan brought up a very good point, which I do agree with, not all minority populations will grow in influence, but very specific ones can and become way more powerful than the majority in terms of impact and that how they can change society. The small beginning. So recognizing that, being willing to engage with those different ideologies, minority ideologies, and recognizing that the con- the social media landscape and the consecration sphere is what it's doing. It's giving more opportunity for these minority populations to gain more influence, which is exactly why Andrew Tate and the Red Pill movement grew so freaking large. It grew ridiculously large, pointed out very bad rhetoric, and you weren't here because last Monday we had an episode talking about content creator responsibilities and how people should perceive uh, the content creators and all that stuff. And we reacted to a video with Sneeko. And what happened is Sneeko, you know who Sneeko is, right? I the, think so, yeah. So he was a big red pillar. He's a big drifter. And uh, he went out to the public, saw saw like three fans of his. They're all kids. And all the, the kids were like, wanted to take a picture. And some of the kids were saying, all trans people should die. And Ooh. they were saying, you know, bad stuff about women and gay people too. So you can directly see the influence that Sneeko had to young individuals who don't know better. So this is just one example. I think that, so I, I think that is less the fault of Sneeko and more the fault of the parents. I disagree. I think content creators should have more responsibility. I think it's okay. I I guess I can't technically disagree with you because I don't know the percentages that you're pointing out. Parents should have most responsibility, but I think the content creators moving forward should have more responsibility that they have currently now. It's kind of the same thing as like athletes, actors, musicians, politicians. All those people have a PR team. All of they act a very specific way because they know their influence. Content creators don't have any of that. They just act authentic and that authenticity without any checks i personally believe 
is more damaging than we realize, especially from the next generation who just watches them 24-7 on a tablet because parents, they need blame too, but parents just give them technology and just let them watch it. And these consecrators act however they want, whether it's, it doesn't even have to be as extreme as like, you know, porn or something. Just the aspect of, you know, being someone like Sneeko can be extremely damaging. So that's that's my point because I don't know your percentages on it. So that's that's what I'll say. We could talk about it afterwards. I know you got to end the episode for today. So. Yeah, wrap up. We went a couple minutes. Like I said, most of these episodes are about an hour and a half anyway. But this was a very important episode. Very good conversations per usual. We'll eventually have a whole president tier maker episode. You know, I was doing my own research on certain presidents, of course. You know, informing me of what is going on. So we'll have that um, one of these days. And um, hope you guys enjoyed. Per usual, you can go to the website, email me, uh, support the uh, the podcast on Patreon, of course. Rated five stars, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Do all that at www.purplepoliticalbreakdown.com. If you want to watch the full video version, you can go to Roku.tv on the Planet X Network to watch the full video version. And um, yeah, hope you guys enjoyed. You all have a good one. Take care. And peace.